We thank you that we can call you our Father. We thank you that in the year 2022, we do not miss you. We thank you for ideas. We thank you that Lord, you are granting us the grace to effectively execute every idea you give us. We thank you for your help, that we are never without help in this world. We thank you for boldness. We thank you for courage. We thank you that you are not giving us the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of love, peace, of and of a sound mind. We thank you for every good thing that we have because of Christ Jesus. We thank you that we are kings and priests unto thee. We thank you that we are your masterpiece. We thank you that you have made us the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We thank you that we are ambassadors for thee. We thank you that we can never be disadvantaged in this life. And most importantly, we thank you that we can call you Father and that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Wow, we thank God for yet another opportunity to continue our study and we are answering the question what does God expect from us God has made a lot of investment into our life into our destiny into our existence even after he created us he went the extra step to die for us he went the extra step to humiliate himself the Bible said that he took it no robbery even though he was equal with God to take upon himself the nature of man the nature of weakness, a bundle of weakness. God has made so much investment into us, the people he has given us, the place we were born, the friends he brought our path, the talents, the deposits, the graces. And we are answering the question, after all this investment that God has made into our existence, what is he expecting from us? And we have been perusing the parable of the talents. And tonight is the last episode, and we are considering the servant with one talent. I saw a, a tweet from somebody, I think an actor, and I really loved the tweet. And he said that there are many people that want unconditional love in a relationship, but they come with conditions. So you want somebody to love you unconditionally, but you are entering with conditions. So most of us, we want people to tolerate our nonsense. We want people to understand our, our triggers, we want people to appreciate our background when we don't want to do the same for people. And that's because of our laziness to improve ourselves. If you were born with a bad temper, if you were introduced into a family where everybody had a quick temper, you cannot afford to remain the same. All in the disguise of that is who I am. That is what that the way God has made me. Even if you claim God made you like that, God is not expecting you to remain the same. As he made you, God is always expecting improvement. God is always expecting value. God is always expecting profit. And this will only come 
when we are willing to work when we are willing to pay the price i cannot overemphasize this especially as Ghanaians and as africans because we are living in an environment where there are a lot of challenges the opportunities are very few that is why i know you see whenever we have a friend and maybe the friend was not bright in school or the friend was struggling immediately we hear that this person is in europe automatically we see the person has successful because there's a certain link with being in Europe and being successful or the person has made it. So most often I'm not, let's say you had a friend that you looked down upon, immediately you heard that he or she is in Europe, in Switzerland, in America, in wherever, outside Africa. Then you begin to, in quote, have a regret that you did not treat the person right. Because some way, somehow, we are able to tie your presence in a particular country to you having made it in life. So we in Africa, we as Africans, we need to do extra work because we are only starting 100 meters behind the finish line. That is why we cannot afford to be lazy. We cannot afford to be the man with one talent. We cannot afford to shift blames. We cannot afford not to be intentional. We cannot afford it. We can't. You know, I just uh, think recently I was um, either listening or reading someone. He was, he does... um. He helps people with people who are looking for scholarship outside and want to do your, maybe you have finished secondary school, you want to do your master's or you want to do your undergrad, those type of things. And it was like, somebody wrote to him on Twitter that, oh, um, this is me, this is my result. I want to school in, let's say, Canada. And the person was like, and it was like, where do I start from? How do I start this whole process? And the person was like, oh, I have done videos on YouTube about all these things and I've simplified it and it's a lot because there are a lot of things you need to know and I can't type them out for you because on a daily basis people are asking me these same questions so I just made a video and it was like he told the person this and he never heard back from the person he said after a while ago I think he met the person in person and was like oh I'm the one who messaged you that I wanted you to help me so oh okay have you been able to do it and was sitting was like, hmm, I've not had time, you know, I had to do this, I had to do that. And the guy, for some reason, just took the, asked for the person's phone. And I think he went through the person's phone and realized the person had Netflix. And he went to check and realized that you claim you don't have time to watch, let's say, a 30 minutes video on YouTube. But when I look at your Netflix, when I look at your account, you have been able to download several movies on your phone and have been able to watch more than half which each movie will not be less than an hour even if it's a series around 30 to 45 minutes you do not have the energy to watch a youtube video to benefit you but you have all the time and the energy and the enthusiasm to watch Netflix. And you might get again of another story a man of God shared that he was in a line in church in a convention and he was praying for people and then this person came that he wanted financial breakthrough and according to the person everything he does it doesn't prosper he starts a business it feels he works in a company something happened there they suck him but the company collapsed that there's a spirit attacking him so this man of god according to him he was able to discern and he said okay i have a book i want to recommend for you so i think he even bought the book or he gave him a free copy of the book and according to him about a year later he had a similar convention and this young brother came again and when he came, the young brother was trying to, you know, they stand in the line and they pray for him. He was trying to bow his head, thinking that, or hoping that the man of God did not recognize him. But I assume that this man of God was operating by the Spirit. So when he came, he told the same story. I have been looking for a job, poverty is in my family, blah, blah, blah. And the man was like, I recognize you. 
Last year, you came for this convention with this same story, and I recommend it, and I give you a book. What happened to the book, or what happened? The person never read the book. And this is the way many of us, our attitude is, especially as Ghanaians and as Africans, we do not want to pay the price for the results we desire. And this is what happens to even transmit our laziness, even with our work with God. So we mostly think that just because you have prayed, you are given the license to sleep. In Ecclesiastes, I think, chapter 11, verse either 4, so it says, In the morning sow your seeds, and in the night do not withhold your hand from labor. I'm paraphrasing. So it is not just enough to sow seed after you have sown your seeds and you have watered. Of course, you trust God to bring the increase. But when the harvest comes, harvest apparently, the harvest takes more work than the seed sowing. So I'm, I'm told that with seed sowing, you need fewer people to sow seeds because you just dig holes and put the seeds inside. But when harvest comes, because one plant can give you about, let's say, 10 times or 20 times. So if you sow three seeds in a hole and a plant is able to come, you are harvesting, let's say, 20 fruits from that plant. So harvest time requires more labor, especially when most of the crops or the fruits can get spoiled if not harvested early. So harvest time requires a lot of labor. And Africa, we are in a harvest time. We are in a season where because of social media, because of the internet, because of the global, how small the world has become, we can't afford to still give excuses. The knowledge gap should be closed or have been closed because of internet, because of technology, because of how small the world is. And everything requires work, honey. Your relationship requires work. You need to make the effort of making the calls, of sending the message, of being genuinely concerned, of being emotionally available, of being there for the person, even if not just for the first three months, six months, one year, but for the long haul, till death do you pass. Excellence in your career requires work. Sometimes even look at those who think that they are doing a very lazy work. For example, uh, content creators, those who are maybe making YouTube channels or whatever. It takes a lot of mental effort to come up with ideas constantly. You always appease your fans. And you know these things, the way the way you start is like you are hooking people up to a level. And every time they come to your channel, every time they come to your shop, every time they come to your business, they're expecting a certain standard. And that's work. Your finances require work. We do not hope to become rich. Hoping does not make us rich. We need to be deliberate. We need to be strategic. We need to be conscious and plan to be rich. We need to make the efforts. I know one day I and some friends were talking. We were like, remember we were doing our national service. We are getting about 599 Ghana cities. It was amazing that with that money, we could save. We could chill. We could buy new phones, we could buy TVs. <laughs> but now that we are done and we have been working for years and our salary has increased, it's amazing that saving is a challenge because it seems as though when the money comes, it's already finished. And we are asking ourselves, how come we could save 599 and now that we are getting times three, times four, times five, etc., the amount, saving has become close to impossible. Close to impossible. It's just letting you appreciate the fact that we need to pay the price. Now, I want to just focus quickly on the man with the one talent. And we just want to look at his scenario in Luke chapter 25. We are just starting from the verse 24. 
tonight i'll just add um, a bit of the message translation um i like the way it has modernized it but let me read the king james version first matthew 25 verse 24 and i read then he which had received one talent came and said you see just look at the mentality of you with one talent lord i knew thee that thou art a hard man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not struck and i was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth lo there thou hast that is thine and the lord answered and said unto him thou wicked and slothful servant so what the man did the master described using two words it's an act of wickedness and you peruse why that is an act of wickedness and it's an act of slothfulness it is laziness and he says and he said thou knowest that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not struck thou ought therefore to have put my money to the exodus and then at my coming I should have received mine with sharing verse 20 take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which had ten talents. For and let's take note of this profound statement that Jesus is making. This statement, I believe, is the key to financial prosperity. It says, For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away that which he hath. It's a very powerful statement. This is what we, we summarize in our morning language when we say the rich keep becoming rich or the rich that gets rich and the poor <laughs> remains poor. Jesus is saying the same thing in a biblical way. <laughs> Let's read on in verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servants into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God bless the reading of his word. And let me just read a portion from the message version. Um, Matthew 25, verse 24, the message version. And I read, it says, Master, I know you have a high standard and you hate careless ways, <laughs> but you demand the best and make no room for error or make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place. I love this guy. <laughs> I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. I listened to what the master said in the message version. He says, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do the less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least i would have gotten some little interest take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most and get rid of this play itself who doesn't go out on a limb throw him into outer darkness wow 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 you see there's something about the word of god it's ever fresh it's ever reliable it contains wisdom for a living. It contains arsenals to triumph in this life. Um, in my notes, I had planned about 10 things I want us to learn from this, the master's interaction with the person with the one talent. But again, as I keep writing, as I keep reading, I keep seeing amazing things. 
that I didn't even write in my notes, but let's see. So the first thing, so we are perusing from the verse 24. The first thing that you will notice is that the person who had the one talent, the master was right in giving him one talent. You know, the Bible says that and he gave to every man according to his own abilities. So you see, the man is justified at the end for giving this person one talent. It presupposes that all along, as they were in the house working, the master was observing his servants. He knew his servants the best. So he knew who was worth five, who is who was worth two, and who was worth one. The master knew it. And at the end, he was really justified by giving the person one talent to one. Imagine he had given that person five. Only God knows what he would have said. And now the issue is that among all the servants, so we can just imagine the scenario about these three servants working in the house. They would have been talking to each other that, hey, master, master's children are nice. Who no, no type of house health kind of conversation. Hey, today I must have got to buy a new car for madam, etc. But look at the mindset of this person. He says, I know you, you this man. <laughs> hey, you see, poor people and unaccomplished people have a proud way of talking. Says, you master, I know you. When the guy with the five talents came, he didn't speak. He just came and presented his extra five talents. The same with the two. This guy came and said, you master, I know you will. Hey. And you know that's how people talk. Oh, as for this guy, I know him. I know this the way he is. I know that's the way he is. I know him. When you find people who make such statements, especially at your workplace, be careful. Oh, this man, I know he will cheat us. Whether he will cheat you or not, that's not the argument. The argument here is that the man who claims to have known him, and it's quite ironical that you claim you know he has high standards and he hates a careless way among all the three servants it was this guy who claimed to have known the master you know this man likes to reap where he has not sown what will make you think that now that he has sown something he won't want to reap it's something that i just we do not understand about ourselves you know this man that when he has not sown seeds he would look for a way of bullying people and taking what is theirs now he has sown a seed of one talent don't you think that you should expect more if you claim you know this man? So it lets us know that. And you see, I was trying to, I was thinking about this in our walk with God. And it's the same thing I find myself with people who are 80s, especially people who were once Christians and are now 80s. They go like, if we claim God is love, why did he allow this to happen? Why did he allow that to happen? This God of love is uh, there's something wrong with our message. You get it? So the issue is that they claim they know the real God. We are saying that he's a God of love. He's a God that can only do good. And you are claiming, no, this God is not a God that does good. Because why would he allow cancers? Why would he allow abuse? Why would he allow wars? Why would he allow the world to be in a terrible place? So meaning that you know this God as a wicked person, as an evil person, as a person who does whatever he likes, regardless of whether it benefits or harms people. So if you know this about this God, why don't you try to be on his good side? That's the question. Because even when you claim you are on his good side, he mafias you with cancer, he, he pays you back with evil, he allows your loved ones to die in accidents, he allows people you love or yourself to be abused. If you are claiming that you know him to do this to good people, can you imagine what you do to wicked people? So their claims is neither here nor there. You are claiming he's a wicked God. 
why do you want to be on the bad side of a wicked God? <laughs> if that's what you are claiming. So it just lets us know the mentality of such people. These people are accusers. These people are fault finders. These people are people that shift blame. And they fail to realize that their lives are in their hands. This is the first thing I realized. That this guy says, Master, me, I know you. You are a hard man. You sow where you have not reaped. And it's interesting that because of the understanding he knew about this man, he went to hide his talents. You know your master has high standards. Instead of you to put in all the efforts, because at the end, whether you like it or not, whether you agree or not, whether you believe it or not, you would give an account to this man. So it's like students. You know, whenever, when we are students, I, I believe I did the same thing. <laughs> But you see, one thing about students is that, oh, this subject is hard. And when you are going to write an exam on it, let's say you are a science student in secondary school, and you say maybe chemistry is hard. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you are writing, Wasi, you write chemistry. So if chemistry is hard, what does it mean? It means that that's the one that demands your most attention. But sadly for us, which is the opposite, we rather neglect the difficult subjects. When here's the case that on the final day we are writing exams, we will be examined on all the subjects. If we're not going to be examined on a difficult one, then voila. Or if you could drop it, then that's good news. But if you are taking the course and you know that exams will be examined on it, it is the difficult ones that you must learn. You know you are working for a hard man. So you must work up putting your efforts for the hard man. But yet again, we have a corrupted or a corrupt mentality. Where instead of putting the effort for the hard things, because that's what demands it, we are rather doing the opposite. The places where we rather flourish is the place where we rather want to be, when we will be examined on it. So what am I saying? Christianity is hard. Those are people who say that this Christianity is hard. Uh, if God is coming and is going to heaven, nobody will make it to heaven. Even pastors are doing this. Even You know this. So if you know Christianity is hard, if you know even pastors, some pastors will not make it, some religious people will not make it, how much more you will know a religious person? So what should this rather do to you? It should rather energize you to labor to enter into the kingdom. Jesus himself said, he said, broad is the way that leads to damnation, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. So Jesus himself has confirmed that it's a hard thing. So if it's a hard thing, that is why it rather demands your effort. Because Christianity is hard, that is why it demands you to spend time in prayer. Because Christianity is hard, you cannot afford to be lackadaisical and undeliberate about your fellowship life. Because Christianity is hard, you cannot afford to neglect your quiet time with the Lord. Because this thing is hard, you cannot afford to neglect the word of God. Because it's the word of God that you hide in your heart that will be the antidote to sin in your life. It's hard. That is why it demands your utmost efforts. You see, I always tell people that not prayerful people or not prayerful Christians are the weakest Christians. You see, the reason why you do not pray as you ought is because you have enough strength to face the evil of each day. So I always tell people that the reason why you pray the way you do and you don't pray as often as you should is because you have enough strength to face the temptation and the battles of life. The reason why you should pray more consistently every day is because you realize that this work with our God is a battle. 
and that you need his help every step of the way. That is why the sin you commit when you are not fervent and continuous in prayer is the sin of pride. Because you know you can make it on your own. You do not need the help of God. The next thing we learn from this man is that instead of him to focus on investing and using the talent, he's rather focusing on his boss's attitude. And you see, it was not surprising that the servant was not surprised that the master came to ask for an account. You see, as I said at the chapter, the first episode, when the master went, according to Matthew, he did not tell them what to use the talent for. So if the servant was not expecting them master to come for accountability he would have gone like oh me i didn't know i was supposed to work with the talent i just was supposed to keep it safe for you but the servant did not raise that objection meaning that he was aware that the master was going to come for interest or to come for profit and instead of him to rather focus his energy on exploiting the talents that the master has given to him he was rather focused on the attitude of the boss at least the way many of us are. We know that Africa is hard. We know Ghana is hard. We know that the world is hard. And the hardness of the world is the more reason why we should labor every day, why we should pay the price every day to achieve our dreams. But instead of us focusing on how to overcome the obstacles in Africa, in Ghana, how to overcome the high cost of doing business, how to overcome the rate of inflation, the rate of corruption, instead of us to focus our energies on establishing and building and pushing forward the ideas that God has given to us. We are rather joining those on TV and radio, engaging in all sorts of politics and useless conversations that yield no positive results. We are rather getting angry. Seller. The next thing that this servant did was that because of this, he said, I was afraid. So I buried my talent. Fear cannot be overemphasized in our work with God. Fear cannot be overemphasized as an enemy that we have to battle every day. You see, people, I always tell people that things like public speaking, people think that I am very comfortable. Yeah, relatively, I'm comfortable in public speaking and one-on-one. But it does not undermine the fact that whenever I'm going to speak in public, I also feel nervous. I also feel tensions. My stomach also rumbles. But that fear is never enough reason not to do. It may fear never be your excuse for doing something. The man said, I was afraid, so I buried my talent. Fear causes us to bury things we are not supposed to bury. Fear causes us not to leave out the talents that God has given to us. Fear causes us to hide Fear causes us not to work. Fear paralyzes us and makes us immobile. Fear is almost always the first spirit that precedes every other evil spirit. Never allow yourself to act out of fear. And I think in our first episode, we emphasized this as much as we could. That as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. The master guy said that I was afraid, so I went and hid thy talent. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. He <laughs> says, Master, I kept your talent very well. Come back for your one talent. Because fear robbed him from trading. Maybe he was afraid that he would have made a loss. 
He was afraid that he would have jeopardized it, would have wasted the talent. He was afraid that he was not capable enough. There is no fear that you have that is legitimate in this world. Fear is never an excuse. In Romans, he says that for we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear. In, in Hebrews, he made us know that throughout our lives, the devil kept us in bondage to the fear of death. But thank God for Jesus, who has delivered us from the shackles of sin and fear. What Satan was using us to keep us in bondage was the fear of death. But the fear never paralyzes us in the name of our Lord Jesus. Whatever idea, as huge as it may be, or as little as it may be, never allow fear cause you to bury your talents. He said, I was afraid, so I hate. Come and take that which you have given me. Now let's look at the master's response in the verse 26. He says, And his Lord answered and said, Thou wicked and slothful seller. Why wicked? What is wicked about this? And what is slothful about this? I have rather been a good what, house housekeeper, a security man. But why did the master call him wicked? It's because many of us, we fall for the main lie of the devil. One of the main lies the devil tells us is that your life is your life. That's the same thing he told Adam and Eve. That your life is your life. You can do what you want to do. But the unfortunate thing is this. Our lives are not our lives. In the sense that our lives are directly and indirectly connected to other people. People are riding on your, on your success. People are riding on your achievements to also achieve something in life. Joseph relied on the buckler being restored for his restoration or for his promotion. What many of us fail to realize is that many destinies are connected to your life. So whenever you decide to bury your talent for one excuse or, or another, what you are doing is pure wickedness. Because if the buckler had said, I'm afraid that if I'm being restored, I may offend the king again and he may take me back into prison. So I do not want to be in prison. This man would have been wicked because he would have jeopardized the destiny of Joseph and he would have jeopardized the destiny of the Israel nation. And that's what sadly many of us do not realize. When I was on campus, university, I always look at students who play the buffoonery and I always weep. And I always say they don't know the investments they are making into their children. You see, many of us are fighting battles that our parents brought on us. Imagine if your father was a rich man, do you think you have been praying certain prayers you have prayed? Imagine if your parents or grandparents or whoever did not take certain decisions. There are many battles we are fighting because of people's choices. And what many of us do not realize is that that little decision that we take does not just affect us, but it affects other lives. You wicked and sorrowful servants. It is wickedness. It is pure evil not to execute the ideas that God has given to you. If this is a business idea, it's not just about you, but through your business, you will employ thousands of people. And what you are doing, you are not just saving individuals, you are saving families. You are saving a wife, you are saving a husband, you are saving children. So whenever you decide to bury your talents, remember that you are jeopardizing the lives of people. If Abraham had decided not to respond to the call of God, the nation of Israel 
the life of Jesus and our lives would have been jeopardized because without Abraham there wouldn't there wouldn't have been an Israel nation without the Israel nation there wouldn't have been a Jesus without Jesus there wouldn't have been us so Abraham accepting to leave his father's house and to go into a land that I will show you was a singular decision that changed the history of lives and the same thing that decision mama eve and papa abraham did had permanently changed or not permanently though because jesus came to change it but had caused a significant effect in lives adam and eve i'm sure when adam and eve is when they are looking at the world they keep telling themselves what have we done and the master did not just call him wicked but he called him slothful The reason why we bury your talents is for no other reason aside from laziness. And I can't I think this is the word that God is giving me for the podcast, laziness. Sweda, it's going to take hard work. I think I've said this before. I think I was listening to a, a speech by Denzel Washington and I remember that speech. He says the world is run by tired people. You being tired is not an excuse. There are many times I wanted to postpone the podcast episode when we recorded. I wanted to cancel it and shift it because I'm feeling sleepy and I have to go to work the next day. But I remember that the world is run by tired people. Of course, I'm not saying burnout, but I'm saying I'm burning the midnight candle. Most of us do not appreciate the effort it takes to be successful. Most of us do not appreciate the effort it takes to achieve dreams. Most of us do not appreciate the labor that it takes. So the master said, "You are not just wicked, but you are slothful." May this never be our testimony before God. May God never call us wicked and slothful servants. The next thing to so remember that when the master made that statement, he said that if you knew I reap where I do not sow and I gather where I have not strawed, the least you could have done was to give it to the money changers so that in my coming I can get some profit. You see, I always tell people that. this generation we can't afford to fail in any aspect because the least we can do is to be imitators of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise you cannot do the work yourself you may not have the knowledge to execute certain things you do not have the skills to execute certain things but thank god people have gone ahead of you so if just by emulating and copying them He says, Susan, you do not have the expertise, right, in working. At least there are people who are investors. They have, they know the the markets, they know the stocks and the bonds. You know, they know the companies are doing well. So give your money to them. Give my money to them, so that they would invest. It's the same thing. You do not know how to start a business or how to run a business or how to do a ministry or how to do what God has called you to do. But there is somebody who is doing a very similar thing. Just by imitating the person, you can get there. That's why I always like my man Joseph, and I always say, and I'll keep saying, he had no Bible to read. Abraham did not have any Bible. Joseph did not have any Bible. Abraham did not have any Holy Spirit. Abraham did not have pastors. Abraham did not have a fellowship. There was nobody to encourage Abraham but God Himself. And if Abraham would believe God for 25 years for a child, you don't have an excuse. Abraham was not empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look at the way when you are feeling down, you can pray in tongues <laughs> and receive joy. Abraham had no such thing. Joseph had no such thing. The only thing Joseph had was two bizarre dreams. So even if you don't know what to do, people are already doing it. 
just emulate them. Just entrust your life into the hands of experts. So if you don't know what to do when God gives you a word, thank God for the Bible. He has given us many people that have succeeded in this life. And just by entrusting your life into their advice, you would also make it. We do not have an excuse because knowledge abounds in this generation. And just by copying people, just by copying the success of your people, we can also make it. And the next thing you realize is that this man was interested in profits, no matter how small it is. He says that you could have given it to the exchanges so that when I come back, at least I'll get some interest. And I can't overemphasize this truth that the main thing that God is expecting from us is profit, is interest on what he has given you. So if God has given you 10 souls, when God comes to ask you, he's not going to ask you about the 10 souls. He's going to look for how many people you have added to the 10 souls. So if God has given you a character and a beauty, money, resource, God is not coming to ask you for those resources. He's coming to ask for the profits you made on those resources. God is a profit man. So when God comes to Africa, only God knows the number of lashes we deserve. Because when God comes, the only thing we can show him is the land he has given us. And even the land, we are destroying it. When God comes, the only thing we can show him is the water bodies he has given us. Even that one, it has become our washroom. When God comes, the only thing we can show him is our gold. Even that one, we are depleting it. When God comes, the only thing we can show him is our bauxite. Even that one, we are letting it get rotten because we cannot use it. We are not, in fact, I think we are worse than the man with the one talent. Because at least he was able to keep it. But look at this nation. Look at this continent. We are literally destroying everything that God has given to us. So I think for us, dear, this man with the one talent challenge, he falls. So if this man with the one talent, look at the way the master is angry at him, how much more us? We are literally degrading the one talent that God has given to us. But may mercy find us. May every talent that we have degraded, may the God who restores, may he restore us. May the God of second and the third and the fourth chance, may he give us more chances. May the God who restores our wasted years, may he restore our wasted years. The talents that we have wasted, the opportunities that we have abused, the doors that we have destroyed, may God have mercy. May mercy overrule judgment upon our lives in the name of Jesus. He says, so that when I come, I shall receive mine with interest. And look at what he says. He says, therefore, take the one talent and give it to him who has ten. God is not just a God that gives, <laughs> but he's a God that also takes. Because he's a God that hates when people do not use what he has given them. And I know people would raise that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. I know. But I'm just reading what the Bible says. And the Bible says that take of him the one talent and give it to him that has ten. Take therefore him that has the one and give it to him that has ten. God takes. And please, I am not referring this to God is taking your life as Job said that he gives and he takes. But I just want you to, I just want to draw your mind to the fact that 
if you do not use what God has given to you, the opportunity that God has given to you, there are people. You know, one day I was into a spiritual instructor, and it was like God had been telling him to write books. And he says one day he was he had a vision. And in the vision, um God, either it was a chair or a pen, I've forgotten, but he was like, he saw a hand stretching forth a pen to him. And from the vision, he could see that many people have refused the pen. And it had now gotten to his time. And in the vision, the voice said that, would you also reject the call? And he said he woke up really frightened. And the, the Spirit of God ministered to him that this gift of writing books I'm giving to you, I give it to several other people. And all of them made one excuse or another. And now it is your time to handle the battle. Are you also going to let that opportunity slip you by? And that's the question God is asking of you. Are you going to let the opportunity of youthfulness slip you by? Are you going to let the opportunity that God has given to you slip you by? And he says that, For unto him that hath shall be given, and shall have abundance. But from him that has not have, even that which he has shall be taken. Yeah, this scripture, where a spiritual instructor wrote a book on this scripture. It is titled, He that hath, to him shall be given, and he that hath not, for from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. It's simply saying that the rich will become rich, and the poor will become poor. And hopefully, we will do a series and we will peruse this verse. So what this verse is simply to struggle or fight to become he that has. You know, I've heard people say that the most difficult thing is making your first, what I, I think a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. I had immediately able to break into a hundred thousand dollars. It becomes easier. And I kind of agree with it. It's like job. That's why, for example, in Ghana, if you enter the government sector, that's all people are struggling for. Because immediately you enter the government sector, it becomes upward, forward, backwards, never. Immediately you get a job, it becomes easier to find another job because of work experience. And it becomes difficult to get a job. So imagine after school, job opportunities come, and for one reason or another, you keep making excuses. A year passes by two, three, four, five. It now becomes extremely difficult to get work. Because whenever you go for an interview, they ask you for the past six years, for the past five years, for the past ten years, what have you been doing? And I'm realizing myself, is those who use opportunities are those who keep getting opportunities. And you'll be asking yourself, why don't I get this opportunity? It's because the little you had at the backside of the wilderness, you abused it, you despised it. So the only way they recommended David to Saul was because somebody saw David playing in the wilderness. And you realize that from there, David kept on getting opportunities upon opportunities upon opportunities. So you realize that if they're rich, that keep finding themselves in places and opportunities that make them more rich. It's those that get, it's those that get contracts that keep getting contracts. It's those that get gigs that keep getting gigs. So the key is that struggle to get your first gig and from there, many other gigs will be coming. And thank God that none of the servants he left without a talent. Even if it's one talent, that is your doorway to prosper, frankly speaking. And I'm saying that God will be next time. And God will be next time we look into this scripture and we answer the question, how to become he that has. And I like the wisdom. Even he who does not have, even that which you have, he will be taken away from you. Meaning that those who think they do not have, 
they have something. And that's what many of us do not realize. We think we do not have anything. So he said that he who does not have even that which he has, meaning that he who does not have, has something. And that's why you must keep asking yourself and keep asking God, what have you given me? And hopefully one time we will peruse the scripture into detail. And the last thing is that we want to look at what the master said. He said, cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know the full revelation about this verse. But what I know for sure is that I do not want to be in outer darkness. I don't know what it is. But I know that I do not want to be there. And I know you do not want to be there. For there shall shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he says, cast the unprofitable servant, the servant who does not bring nothing to the table of God, the servant who is only interested in eating and not contributing, the servant who is only interested in consuming but not contributing. He's saying, cast him into outer darkness. Cast the unprofitable servant. So tonight, our question for you is, what profits are you to God? Shall we spend some time in prayer? And tonight, you just want to reflect on what you have learned for the past three weeks. That what does God expect from you? You may have one talent. That one talent is your escape route. It's your great escape to become somebody who has five talents. We want to just pray that, Father, may I not be on the bad side of this scripture. May I not be him that does not have. May I be like the five talents, the servant with the five talents. May I not be like the servant with the one talent. Every wrong mentality I have about life, I have about you. Father, I pray for grace to renew my mind. Every wrong attitude that says me, that is the way I am. I can't do, take me as I am, accept me as I am. That mentality that always wants us to consume is always about what you are getting and not what you are contributing. Father, every mentality of this one talent servant, Father, may you cast it away from our lives in the name of our Lord Jesus. I want to spend some time and reflect on this question. What profits are you to God? Reflect on these words. What does God expect of you? And make sure that even as God has given you the opportunity to see 2022, may you not let this year, may you not make this day, may you not make this moment go to waste. Because whether we accept it or not, the Master is going to come back. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the past questions to life you have given us. We thank you for the escape routes, the secret codes to life that you have made available to us in your word. We thank you that you have given us the cheat codes to life by which we may live a victorious, a fulfilled, and accomplished life. Maybe never hear this word, thou wicked and slothful servants, but maybe rather hear thou good and faithful servant. We thank you for choosing us. And we thank you for not giving up on us. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. God bless you so much for joining us every week. Keep inviting your friends. We appreciate your presence on all the podcast platforms and on the Telegram channel. We see you next week, even as we begin another new and exciting 
and inspiring the Holy Spirit daily series. See you next week. And remember to give God your best and to make sure that you owe no man nothing this day and forevermore. But love. See you next week. And bye bye.